0: figure podcast welcome back to the squared circle action figure podcast as you heard from the great joel gertner
1: i'm your host will the thrill and i am your co-host joe static it's static time baby joe static joseph static you can subscribe
0: to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify. And we are now on TuneIn as well. We'll be expanding that reach shortly. If you listen to the podcast, please write a review. It's always helpful. And if you do write a review, we will post that on our Instagram and Twitter accounts at sqd circle afp you can also follow us on instagram and twitter for wrestling figure photos fig hunts giveaways everything get all the latest news about the squared circle action figure podcast and again that's at sqd circle afp and coming soon we'll be launching our weekly youtube live streams the Wrestling Figure Roundtable at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. Joe, how has your week
1: been so far? What is up? Oh, man. With the tropical storm that hit over here, man, I lost my power. And it was a interesting couple days, we'll put it that way. Almost a week, actually. You know, we were able to stay at one of our relatives' houses, so it wasn't uh, wasn't too bad. Yeah, not having power... Having to leave my home kind of sucked, but I'm glad the power's back and I'm glad we're, we're rolling here. Well, I'm
0: glad everybody is safe. I'm glad you all are back in your home. And again, we are so happy to have you back on the podcast. It was very unfortunate that you had to deal with that. And we missed you during our awesome segment. You'll never forget the name Carapro with Adam of Drunk Shop Dog last week. And unfortunately, we did have to postpone our main event, which will be Hogan versus Flair, Bash at the Beach 1994, which you'll hear very soon on this week's main event. So we're very happy to have you back. Thanks, man. Well, let's get right into it like we always do here at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. First, big announcement to everybody that's listening. We are on pro wrestling tees. We have launched three new t-shirts. We think these are super fun shirts. They give a nod to some really awesome designs that you guys are so familiar with that were released in the 90s. So first, you can find us at ProWrestlingTees.com slash SQD Circle AFP. That is our shop. And there you can find our Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast logo t-shirt. We have our mint on card t-shirt in a very recognizable style, MOC, hashtag MOC, hashtag MOC for life. And we just launched, Joe, our Got Fig shirt. And I absolutely love that shirt because if you flip it over to the back, it's got a head on it, a BCA doll head that says, help me. (laughs) So that's a really fun shirt, which again is very familiar design that we all know and love from back in the nineties, but a little bit of the squared circle action figure podcast take on it.
1: What does everybody want?
0: Figs.
1: What does everybody need? Figs. Why didn't they let me win the ECW title?
0: Figs. Look, guys, look, we don't wanna go on ad nauseum of throwing in your face you gotta buy a shirt, you gotta buy a shirt, the you shirts gotta are buy great. a shirt, you gotta buy a shirt, you gotta buy a shirt, you gotta buy a shirt. Yeah. Oh sorry, excuse me? I, I what'd you say, Joe? I think what'd the shirt say?
1: I think the <laughs> shirts are awesome, man. I'm gonna fucking order them, I think.
0: i'm gonna have to order them too because nobody else is ordering them so we're just gonna have to spend more money in order to make it look like we are selling shirts and yeah that's gonna be our plight other than your i believe you said it was your uh grandmother or aunt roberta or something
1: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i have yeah aunt roberta she's spanish no it was uh it was aunt margie and my mom, my sister, maybe we'll get the we'll get the whole family on board.
0: Yeah, I think we gotta get them because they're pretty much the only people that listen to this podcast still.
1: I'll talk to my uncle Steve, my uncle Gene.
0: All right, great, Uncle Steve, Uncle Gene. We'll get them some shirts. We'll throw them on Instagram so it makes it look like people are actually buying the damn things, <laughs> and we'll go from there. But guys, seriously. All kidding aside, we put in a lot of hours for this podcast. It's basically a second job for both of us. You see photos of Joe planning out episodes 10 weeks in advance. We're trying to create something really special here. I put in so much editing work. I probably put in 24 hours of editing a week when it's all combined with Instagram posts and actually editing this podcast, maybe even more time than that. And really, there are two ways we're saying that you can support us right now. One, obviously, listen. If you listen and share and you love it, that's awesome. What goes along with that is writing a review for us always helps as well. So please write those reviews. And again, we will repost them on Instagram and Twitter. So those are the kind of first combo things that we would love for you to do if you're really enjoying the podcast. And then second, buy a shirt. And again, I don't want to be a glorified car salesman here, but it really helps us. If you buy a shirt, we have three really cool designs right now on ProWrestlingTees.com slash SQD Circle AFP. It really will help us out in the long run. Really quickly, I do want to give a shout out before we move on. All those awesome shirts were designed by our buddy at non Heinous. On Instagram, that's at N-O-N-H-E-I-N-O-U-S on Instagram. So non heinous man, he's done a wonderful job. He has a great artist, so give him a follow. He has some really awesome, unique, fun, cartoonish, toxic Avenger style and themed artwork on his page that he's really skilled at doing. He creates these shirts for us and helps create these shirts for us as a side project to what he's already doing. So we want to thank him for his time and effort and being there for us.
1: Yeah, he's got some great designs, man. You know, I like the uh, half and half character mashups he does. He did one of the uh, Warrior and Hogan. He did another one of Flair and Macho from 1992. He's a big wrestling fan. And in his area, I remember him being at all the indie shows he's a great dude man his most recent art that he did was really cool it's the human centipede with the real ghostbusters <laughs> so it's just sick man the colors on that thing are great man they really pop he's he's a real talented dude
0: totally very talented dude his colors do pop he has really fun unique artwork i think that warrior is fun it's like his series two hasbro figure mashed up with the series one hulk hogan hasbro figure in the body slammer gorilla press design and then again like joe said half of its hogan half of its warrior and it just really looks fun and unique and cool we love at non heinous on instagram thank you so much for helping us design our t-shirts and remember you can buy them at prowrestlingtees.com slash sqd circle a f Oh God, Joe. Okay. As we get out of that, we're going to move on now to actually some wrestling figure news. So AW still here. The AW Unrivaled Collection has been showing up very slowly throughout the nation, Texas, New Mexico, into the Midwest, I guess starting to crawl its way up the West and East coast. There have been reports in Florida of the the shippers. The rings have hit pretty much everywhere in the country. So that action ring is really cool. We both picked that up this week. Absolutely love the the box art on that. I'm keeping that, I guess, MIB, hashtag MIB as well. Maybe maybe that's a shirt idea down the road. Uh -uh. uh, Mint in box. Regardless of that, we also saw an AEW pallet shipper, which was confirmed by both Jeremy and Gregory prior to this. So they did announce there would be these pallet shippers at about 50% or more Walmarts in the country. You have about 4,000 Walmart stores in the country. So you know that let's just say about 2,500 to 3,000 are probably getting these shippers, probably the larger locations, maybe the ones that are in more heavily populated areas, the super centers, et cetera. Be on the lookout for them. Again, as GBM at the GBM report says, Know your codes, get up real early. I mean, it's that simple, guys. You see the brick seek, you got the brick seek codes. See the brick seek jump, head over to Walmart, start asking employees. The worst that can happen is they'll say, yep, we have them, but they're not out yet. Come back tomorrow morning, go back tomorrow morning. That simple, right, Joe?
1: Yeah, exactly. A couple of the Walmarts by me, a lot of the uh, workers there are very friendly. They're very nice. They basically give me the rundown when they think the figures are going to be in store. So I always, you know, treat them with respect and especially in these times working, they're very nice. You know, you just got to stay on top of that stuff, get there when you can, use BrickSeek, use PopFinder and uh, just get out there. You got to be on the hunt. Be on the hunt,
0: be patient, be smart about it, be courteous. You'll get your figs. You know, a lot of people don't understand this. They produced. Thousands and thousands and thousands of these figures. I understand everybody wants a chase. That's not realistic. We have seen sightings of the new chase, Chris Jericho. I'm not sure if we got confirmation, or at least I didn't see confirmation about whether that was through a ringside shipment or found out in the wild. I believe it was a ringside shipment from the photo I saw. So you know it's out there. Yeah. That's it. I think that's all I got to say, A.W. There was also some proto-images released of the Series 2, Dustin Rhodes, etc., etc. this week. I want to see better shots, but from what I've seen, it looks good. I like the Dustin Rhodes. I think he looks better in scale from the previous proto-images that we saw.
1: That figure definitely looks great. I've seen that recently. Definitely looks really, really good. Looks like updated work.
0: Updated work. The body's more proportionate and whatnot. It's going to be a great figure. We knew that they were going to nail it. There's no complaints with us about this figure line right now. The main complaints to the general public I've heard is torso and body color. For me, I don't give a shit. The second complaint is the face that we discussed, the kind of the photo print on the face, which I think they could do a little better work on. But other than that, as far as articulation is concerned and everything, I mean, you should have absolutely no complaints. You shouldn't. I mean, there's If you're complaining now, you're complaining just to complain because they are a work of art, these figures.
1: Yeah, they are. I'm really happy with the All Elite Wrestling action ring. I think it's really, really well done. I love the packaging. I like the glossy finish on the box. I think that's really cool. And I almost, Will, got it mixed up with the WWE version. I thought it was a spring ring, spring loaded ring as well, but it's not. And I like that. I like that it's just the ring. It's solid. Because to be honest, I don't like that spring action shit that much. I'm tossing around about getting another one, just to open it up, put the ring together, see what it looks like. I'm curious to do that. I might get another one and open it up.
0: Yeah. I've had people asking me the same question on Instagram. Do you open up these rings, et cetera, et cetera. I'm never going to open it up. I just personally, again, it's a display aesthetic for me where I have major OCD. I don't display my wrestling figures in bunches. I just don't see the appeal of that. So I like everything clean and neat. And I want to see the full figure. If I'm going to display wrestling figures, it's going to be select ones in a display that I can see their whole body and they're spaced out correctly with risers and such. So in that scenario, I really can't utilize a ring unless I only have about four or five figures in it. I create some sort of a vent where I can switch out characters in a vent and that's not economical as far as space is concerned. Yeah. Do I have seen the unboxings of the ring and it looks great. Like you said, I love the glossy finish. I love the textured ring apron look around the sides as well. I think they did a wonderful job and I agree with you. I don't like spring action either because even if you did want to use it for display purposes, even in my scenario with the spring action, what I find is that the wrestlers tend to fall over sometimes because it's just, I don't know, it's just weird how that maybe it's gravity. I, I don't know, but they tend
1: to fall over. I am not a fan of the spring action rings.
0: Yeah. So even if you were to display it, from my understanding, that's a major complaint as well, that it's very difficult to pose your figures in those spring-loaded rings. To end this, I think the AEW stuff is amazing. I think Jazzwares has knocked it out of the park. They hit a home run. If you don't like these figures you don't like a W and I'm sorry. I mean, that sucks. I don't know what else to say. Cause you're kind of missing out on both ends. I think from a professional wrestling perspective, and from a wrestling figure perspective.
1: But to each his own, right, Joe? Yeah, like we say here, if you're not feeling the figs or, you know, to each his own and keep moving on with your day.
0: Yeah, or suck it. But anyway, yeah, (laughs) or do that.
1: You you could could suck suck a piece of sausage or something.
0: Uh, Something like that. But anyway, let's move on. Last thing I wanted to discuss before we move into the gorilla position is I did get a pretty decent haul from, well, I guess it's going to be a good friend of mine. It was a friend of a friend, but he walked at their action figures in Delaware had got a ridiculous Jack specific WWF classic superstars haul. And he had some big heavy hitters in there. They're all loose mint condition. Great. Just amazing figures. And I picked up, Joe, the Rock and Roll Express, Haku, Kona Crush. I mean, the list goes on and on. The big heavy hitters here, I'm telling you.
1: Yeah, man. You know, when you went over the list, I was like, oh, God. Yeah, those are definitely some heavy hitters, man. Loose, mint, loose. Anyway, you know, you got the Crush, the Haku, the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, it doesn't matter, man. Those are great figures. And I love that classic line. That
0: classic line is great. We're going to throw photos of all these up here this weekend. We're going to bring it back to a classic Superstar Sunday tomorrow and put some classic superstars tomorrow on Sunday. With this set, I got the DX as well in the DX kind of camo gear, like the later two pack of X-Pac and Triple H. I love that Triple H scan oh, yeah. too on that. Yeah. It's amazing. That's a good one. Guess how much I paid for these things, man? Per figure, what do you think? All of these figures, I probably got about seven or eight figures total.
1: How many? How much do you think I paid per figure? The person you bought them from—are they
0: knowledgeable? Yeah, it's very knowledgeable. Two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks a figure, or two hundred bucks total? Two hundred bucks total. Oh, I don't even know what that's that per figure, Joe. Come on, now you're killing me here. <laughs> I asked you a per figure price, and so you're giving me a total price here. What the hell? Uh, what the <laughs> hell uh, planet are you on?
1: Rock and Roll Express is probably—I'm going by what you know each figure is, man. That that set alone is probably a hundred bucks loose, eighty bucks. The crush it's probably you know so i don't know man i mean that could go a lot of different ways well
0: per figure i'll make it simple because right now i think he swallowed some chris statlander pills and he's in the uh the next universe <laughs> of uh some something over here Mr. just that,
1: just that rock and roll express pack is fucking expensive so i don't know 25 dollars a figure how many did you get
0: i mean it's not important how i got about seven or something like that but ah. I,
1: I paid about 20 to 25 bucks a figure yeah, that's not terrible because those are some heavy hitters got some heavy hitters for a good price man they better be fucking mint they're mint
0: they're mint and not only that this guy walt loves to deal he gets new stuff in all the time i know there was a little snafu where people were yelling at him because he posted all these new figures that are supposedly coming out look that is his order board from mattel he threw it out there, what he ordered. There was no listing to what series these were going to be in. There was no confirmed listing to what series they were going to be in. To be honest with you, I think for most of it, we actually knew that they were coming and he didn't really spoil much from what I saw that was on San Diego Comic-Con at home. So regardless of all this, Don't give him heat. The guy's a great guy. He deals. He knows wrestling. He's watched it for a long time. He's got some really big finds. He'll deal with you. He's got great prices. So give him a follow at their action figures underscore Delaware on Instagram. Again, really cool dude. And again, I want to give this to you at their T-H-E-Y-R-E action figures underscore Delaware He's moving into a new shop location because he's just got so much more demand now. He's got a lot of supply. If you're in Delaware, hit him up. If you're in Maryland, hit him up. If you're in South Jersey, hit him up. I'm telling you, the guy's willing to work with you and he wants to see you get good deals and what you want. So that's pretty much all I got to say about that, Joe. And with that said, it's time for this week's edition of The Gorilla Position.
1: I can feel electricity in the air
0: and welcome everybody to this week's edition of the gorilla position and what we're going to be talking about this week is the osftm ecw figure line and what it could have been As you know, listeners, this is one of our favorite wrestling figure lines ever. We are huge ECW fans. We grew up watching ECW, going to ECW events throughout the 90s and into the 2000s. So this really, really hits the nostalgia button us and so do these figures. First I just wanted to give you a brief introduction of the line the old San Francisco Toymaker ECW line. OSFTM started producing these figures in 1999 and only ended a year later in 2000. So they didn't have the license for a very long time because as you all know ECW went bankrupt. But throughout the span of two years, I think they really did a phenomenal job in getting series out there and getting incredible new, highly articulated wrestling figures into the marketplace. They actually released three series in 1999 and three series in 2000. They produced accessory packs, a ring which was a Toys R Us exclusive. They just did an incredible job. And the amount of figures per line were almost uh, upwards of 10, six to 10 figures per line. So they really churned out a lot of value here in this line. And they didn't sacrifice. The quality was there. They usually did updated attires. They did some repaints. But for the most part, they tried to work in just fresh, new characters fresh new accessories and ideas with every wrestler in every line well enough about that there are so many videos that explain the actual line review the figures we're not going to do that here today instead joe what we're going to be talking about is what could have been and some of the rumors and the innuendo surrounding the canceled line of osftm ecw figures
1: yeah well this is a topic i've always wanted to discuss so now we have the platform to do so so what better time than to talk about this now ecw is one of our favorite promotions and the ecw figure line i love like you do it's one of my favorite wrestling figure lines so collecting wrestling figures all this time i always go back and think Man, I wish that line continued. I go online, I look at the roadkill prototype. I'm like, how the hell can I get my hands on this? It's impossible. So it stems from there. And I think about the line so much. And I just almost want to go back in time. You know, I want this line to just keep moving forward. And it didn't. And that sucks. And ECW went out of business and blah, blah, blah. But it's fun to think of what could have been. And even with some of the canceled figures that were coming out, you can see a couple of the. More known unreleased ones like the Rage War two pack, which is pretty cool. Comes with Lance Storm, Sabu. Lance Storm's in the blue and black, and Sabu is in the yellow. It's very fun to see ECW trying something new with a two pack of figures. You know, different colors. That image you could find online. The air combat images you can find online with RVD and just incredible. And same thing with the grudge match, Dreamer and Raven. Towards the end of the ECW line, you could see those images on the back of the card as well, and you could find them online. The roadkill, like I mentioned, was shown at the toy fair, but was not shown or seen after. A lot of people go online and they look at that figure and they're like, man, roadkill, you know, especially towards the end. Him and Danny Doria, I mean, they were tag team champions. I mean, I think everybody wanted that roadkill. Like all the other figures, well on the line.
0: I think we wanted a lot of different figures. You know, I think Roadkill and the Dastardly One, Danny Doring, were big tag team. You know, they were—I believe they were tag team champions for a brief period of time as well. Yeah, towards the end. Big names. Everybody loved the Amish Roadkill to this day. I think I think that that sentiment is true, and we thought that. He was going to be produced because we saw the prototype image, but it was very sad to see the line end. I just wanted to briefly move back into just giving our listeners a little bit of background of this. We talk about the possibilities and we talk about the innovative nature of OSFTM and the new releases and the new attires they wanted to provide with these wrestling figures and new accessories and just... They really took a turn because previous to this, they had two other lines, the Galoob line and the WCW-OSFTM line, which were really just those, again, these hard plastic style figures. They did the vibrating stuff. They did really nonsense stuff. And this line, they really took seriously. They they gave us the articulation. Even within the first three series, you see new figures introduced in the second series with the Dudleys. And then the third series is kind of a repaint. On all the initial releases, but then boom, they hit us with series four in 2000 and you get balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten and Tajiri and Rhino Jerry Lynn and a Raven figure and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. We literally just got five new figures. They follow that up with super crazy and Mike awesome and Sam and Steve Carino. And I, I mean, they're just pumping out names here. Yeah. you know until you, and you circle back around and then obviously they knew by the time thrill zone was released that this was starting to end probably the checks weren't <laughs> Getting cashed or whatever it may be, you know. They're like, wait a second. Yeah. Let's pause a little bit here because as we know from the modern era, it takes about a year turnaround time even back then for a figure to be produced. And that's when they started to do some repaints. But I believe even in that series, we got a new figure in the Lance Storm. So again, still giving us a new character even in the last series ever released i think the possibilities could have been endless i know you conducted some research about this and aside from the rage war the air combat the grudge match two packs the rogue kill that was shown at toy fair there are some rumored lineups that you found online and these reports come from two places one being the old figure zone website And there was a report released in August 12, 2000 of a couple names and some lines. And then there was also a report that was found in an unreleased ECW magazine ad. I don't know. Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit more about that and we can kind of do some maybe fantasy booking and whatnot.
1: Yeah, definitely will. You know, this is something, like I said before, I wanted the line to continue so bad. So, you know, I think a lot of other figure collectors felt the same way and- this person did some research. He did some digging, 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 and well, it's not a hundred percent. Before I go into this, this person seen images because the way it's described. So the next three ECW figure sets were described. I mean, you can leave this up to your imagination too. Champion Clashers Series Two. The next couple guys I'm going to mention, I think a lot of ECW figure collectors want it. And first up in the champion class series two was kid cash kid cash was definitely building some steam and to have him in figure form i think would have been great and he was described wearing black leather tights on the figure which would make sense you know with his attire next up in the set they had spike dudley with removable glasses tajiri which had a new head sculpt danny Doring, steve carino with a new attire and rounding out the set was masato tanaka which i mean With the Mike Awesome, you got Tanaka now, you got the belt, you got tables. I mean, you're ready to roll. So that set alone was like, oh my God, you know, the Carino, new Carino, throw Kid Cash in there, you actually get a Spike Dudley, Tanaka. I mean, come on, Will. I mean, just that set alone. That set alone,
0: just fantastic. Great selection of wrestlers there. Again, as Joe said, this is just someone reporting that they saw these projected lineups and images of them after they conducted research. We have really no way to prove this because we haven't seen the photos ourselves and we haven't seen the actual paperwork for this. But again, this is their report. So this doesn't necessarily mean that this was going to happen or these people were going to be produced. But this is somebody else's word that he saw projected lineups and did see some of the photos for some of these projected wrestlers in these lineups. So, look, again, listeners, just trying to have a little fun here.
1: Yeah. It's more like a, f- a fantasy kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's more of a fantasy. We don't know if this is legitimate. If it isn't, I absolutely love this lineup for a Champion Clashers Series 2. I agree with you. Kid Cash is building a lot, a lot of steam. Of course, you had the Spike Dudley there, which would have been just classic because we have the Dudley boys. I absolutely love the fact that we get Masato Tanaka it completes the Mike Awesome. You know, you had Mike Awesome in the bash of brawlers with the ECW title. I think that having the Masato Tanaka in there, it would just complete the picture for me. Checks all those boxes. The next series that was supposedly planned was a series called ECW High Flyers. We didn't get this set at all in the previous six series released, but by name, That's what they were. They were high flyers. So the projected people in this series was RVD in a new attire, but the details weren't given. A Kid Cash repaint from Clashers 2, Sabu in black pants and a yellow headdress, Jerry Lynn with a new head and tights, Nova in all black, and Chris Chetty. Another great lineup with the majority of them being pretty much re-releases and repaints, But focused on new attires and the theme high flyers, these wrestlers all being super high flyers in ECW.
1: Yeah, the only image you could see online of any of those figures in that attire is the Sabu on card. You could see the black pants, the yellow headdress, which is cool. I wish someone had a back of that card because I would love to see these other wrestlers in the line proven because you've seen the Sabu in that attire. So I would love to see the back of that card. You know, there's never, you know, there's no image of it, but the Sabu was definitely proven. I would love to see the rest of the line, especially the uh, Jerry Lynn with the new head and new tights. Maybe it was the all black, you know, it's kind of what he was wearing towards the end of ECW. Same thing. Well, ECW high flyers on this set. You throw Chris Shetty in there. I mean, Chris Shetty has been a mainstay since I started watching it. It would be fun to get him... I'm in figure form, I think that would have been pretty cool.
0: Yeah, most definitely. The Sabu, for our listeners that are not familiar, I believe that would be the same Sabu. Which image was released in the two-pack with Lance Storm, correct? The Rage War two-pack? Or was that an
1: image on the one of the back of the cards? This was shown at one of the uh, toy fairs. So it's ECW High Flyers. It's like a black and red card. The High Flyers has like the flames above it. and. Oh.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Yeah,
1: and Sabu is black pants, white boots, and he's got the yellow headdress with the red. One comes with a Lance Storm card, and one comes with a Balls Mahoney card. I just want to see the back of the freaking card, man. It was hung up at the time, so it's out there somewhere. No one's seen it, I don't think, since, you know?
0: Yes, 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 yes. No, I get Yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think they have. And It's fun it's to really see that on card. Yeah, yeah, it's very unfortunate, but interesting to see if there was anything on the back of
1: it you know uh that would have been fantastic
0: all right and the last set here is the bash of the brawlers series two and the lineup for that was obviously the amish roadkill roadkill just incredible with out shirt in a different face a c w anderson uh-uh joey Saz scotty anton and mikey whipwreck personally joe this set and the champion clashes series two i mean would have to be tied but this set is pretty fire getting a mikey whipwreck a cw anderson a joey styles a roadkill i could do without a scotty anton any day of the week yeah same here (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't even know if that would have been a reality if this was true I, don't, I just don't see how that's happening, but maybe they meant Sandman instead. Who knows? But I like the lineup. Oh, if we just got a Paul Heyman too. You know, we talk about like the fantasy lines and whatnot and the fantasy booking of these figure series, wrestling figures in general. Wouldn't it be awesome to get a Paul Heyman? Oh man. In the OSFTM. I mean, that's just one of my dream figures.
1: I think this set, the top two that I would really want would be the roadkill and the Mikey Whipwreck, especially the Mikey Whipwreck. I'm surprised he never got a figure, you know, in the lines that were released. So to potentially get him, you know, in Bash of the Brawler Series 2, the Mikey Whipwreck, the roadkill, I think a lot of people would like Just Incredible without the shirt, different face because it was used so many times. You throw C.W. Anderson in there, A Joey Styles, original San Francisco version. These three sets, this is stuff I love to think about. It makes me happy. But at the same time, you know, we didn't get any of these figures. And uh, if they were potentially going to be made, the line would have been so sick. I would have loved to have that Tanaka too and Kid Cash. I mean, we could talk about this for days.
0: Yeah, I know we could. We can go on and on just because it is one of these things going back in the time machine. Man, I really, really wish that ECW continued. Thought it was gaining a lot of steam. I thought that... It was gaining more and more interest. I do think a lot of the talent was getting poached, though, and we all know the stories to that and whatnot and oh, yeah. the conventional happenings of, you know, them going to WWF and whatnot and WCW the like. But, yeah, the potential is is really endless and who would have known what would have happened if they continued? I was at a lot of those live shows in two thousand and two thousand one.
1: Yeah, even the last event, two thousand one. I believe it was guilty as charged. Great card when Nova performed, and you know a lot of the guys that were on the bottom of the card or you know becoming fan favorites. They definitely upped their skill level in the ring, and I think they were giving it hundred and ten percent. Even though the company was going under, I think if ECW didn't go under there would have been a lot more talent. A lot of the guys that stayed with the company that were there from the beginning would have been main eventers. And I think it could have just kept moving. Maybe some of the guys, instead of going to TNA went back to ECW, you know, and vice versa. I think it could have kept moving if it didn't go bankrupt.
0: Yeah, I think so too. You know, a lot of factors play into that and whatnot, and they just didn't have, I guess, the ad revenue. And I don't know, it's just, it, it, it just sad how it all fell apart. I was at 2001 Guilty as Charge. I was at Massacre on 34th Street. I was there pretty much ringside every single event.
1: Yeah, those were great events. And that Nova, when he came out, man, that really stands out, man. He was like jacked, you know, he was huge. I mean, he was just like on another level. I remember from that event. Here's my take on it. Being there live,
0: it was an amazing event. I thought it was losing some of its steam. You know, you didn't have the big names of the past, right?
1: No, you, know, you didn't. No,
0: not, not at all. And they were trying to build new talent up, like the just Incredibles of the world, the Steve Carinos with Jack Victory and all this stuff. But you were really missing that surreal heavyweight persona. And I felt that was one of the reasons of their downfall, where they didn't have the right guy to hand the torch to, to get the eyes to stay on the television. Aside from all of their debts, they owed everyone. It got to the point where they just couldn't pay their bills. That's why they went bankrupt. That was a large part of it. If they just kind of sat down, refocused and had the time to do that and find another big name, the promotion could have continued. They could have rode another wave and we may have got more ECW everything, including wrestling figures. That's kind of our position the line personally is one of the best wrestling figure lines ever created the depth and the breadth of the line for only being around two years is just incredible and not only that they produce these really fun articulated figures that were pretty lifelike so i absolutely love the figures i love the scale i love the articulation i love the accessories I love the packages design. I love everything about this line. And I love what we could have got if it was still around.
1: Yeah, I know. It's one of my favorite series. I love these ECW figures. You know, I have most of them carded and most of them loose. I just wish, you know, went the other direction, but it didn't. We could fantasize and look at lists like this and do some digging and be like, oh man, they were going to do that or do this. And, you know, kind of hang on to that kind of stuff. It's kind of fun. But at the end of the day, you know, we have a couple of series and a couple of what could have Ben's. And that's what we're left with. Will
0: that's what we're left with. But it's the preservation of it. And not only the preservation of it, but the preservation of the memory. And by doing this podcast, we can hopefully get other people interested in these figures So that their legacy lives on because in the realm of this community, this wrestling figure community and an industry as a whole, these are one of the most memorable lines of wrestling figures ever created and really paved the way for some of these highly articulated lifelike figures of the modern era. With that said, Joe, it was great to go back down memory lane, do some fantasy booking on this week's Gorilla Position. And that's our position. So, listeners, don't forget to tune in next week for another edition of The Gorilla
1: Position.
0: And welcome, everybody, to this week's Oh My God Figure of the Week. It's funny how we finished up the gorilla position where we talked about ECW figures. And then you hear that ECW chant, the Oh My God, the Oh My God. You hear the Oh My God from Joey Styles. And we move right back into it, not with ECW, but with another promotion, TNA. This week, our Oh My God Figure of the Week. Is the Marvel Toys TNA Series 1 Abyss? Formerly, I guess you could say that this line was called the TNA Total Nonstop Action Wrestling Impact Series. It was actually produced by Marvel Toys, formerly Toy Biz. So Toy Biz actually did all those great WCW figures in the early 2000s. Produced some incredible figures. We're on a WCW Toy Biz kick right now, and I'll probably be headed on a TNA kick after this. (laughs) Just this podcast bleeds money for me. I mean, guys, buy a shirt, please. We need to make some money back. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, moving on. Marvel Toys got this license, started producing figures for TNA in 2005. Another short-lived wrestling figure line Only held the license for two years, from 2005 to 2007. This first series, The Abyss, was in, also featured AJ Styles, Raven, and Jeff Jarrett. They went on to produce, in this time frame, again, talk about two years. They produced so many figures. So they had eight single-carded series, four two-pack series, two best-of series, a collector's edition series. They produced four ring play sets. They had a line called Masked Fury, which actually had a wrestling figure and a mask in it. Oh my God. It was Sting with a Sting mask. It was Shark Boy with a Shark Boy mask. So you could dress up like Shark Boy, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually a highly sought after Mask Fury set. Yeah, the Shark Boy. The Shark Boy one. And they also had a plush buddy line called Bash and Brawlers. So they produced a ton of product. Again, similar kind of setup as the OSFTM ECW figures. And we absolutely love this Abyss.
1: Yeah, I remember, Will, when I started watching TNA, my first impression of Abyss, of course, I think a lot of people felt this way. Maybe some didn't want to say it. I'm like, oh, it's a ripoff of Kane and Mankind together. So my Initial reaction was like, "Ah, I don't want to watch this shit or, oh God, look at this guy. He's a mix of the two. But when I started watching it a little more and I watched the Abyss character a little more, I started to get into it a little more. Same thing with this figure. But looking back at Abyss, you know, just a couple facts on his career. He was at the time a main event wrestler in 2005 for TNA. He held multiple titles inside the promotion, including the NWA Heavyweight Championship, the TNA Tag Team Championship, TNA X Division Championship, among others. He did hold a lot of gold with that promotion. He was the longest member of TNA Impact Wrestling from 2002 to 2019. A lot of years there, Will.
0: Oh, a ton of years. And now yeah.
1: he produces WWE
0: television. My God, I want to.
1: Oh. Now he sits in the back and uh, people are drinks like. Drinks
0: coffee all day. Yeah, exactly. People are
1: like, that was Abyss. He sits in the back, drinks coffee, and basically
0: every time he has an idea. No, everybody, it, it, no that's not good enough.
1: <laughs> they're like uh they're like Mr. Parker, Mr. Park uh sit the hell down and put your mask back on. Anyway, we digress. What I like about Abyss's career because the character and he put in so much work into the business, you know, he was inducted into the Impact Hall of Fame in 2018, showing him, showing the character some respect. Putting him into a, a wrestling Hall of Fame, I think was appropriate. So, with all that said, makes sense will he was in series 1. Looking at the card he was on, the front of the card The TNA logo was there. Total nonstop action wrestling impact, it says on the card, top of the card. The word impact really catches your attention as it's much larger on the card than the rest of the font. And it's very bold. The color really pops with the red and it has a cracked display through the word which Impact is really there. You know, it's really in your face on the card.
0: For all of our listeners, I mean, Impact was the name of their television programming. So, I mean, they really wanted to shove it in your face. Oh, they you definitely
1: know? did with the card. The Abyss is displayed on the front as well, in the bottom right corner, doing his signature pose, which the pose actually really used to annoy the shit out of me. Just a fun fact there. So he's displayed on the front of the card, doing that pose. The figure comes with a single chain accessory. Used to use that chain a lot. He'd always bring it to the ring back then in 05 makes sense the figure would come with the chain accessory abyss is in his traditional black attire black shirt with the sleeves cut off and black pants and boots his mask is the first version of the character and that is black as well bottom of the card says his name abyss with headlock crunching action so the front of the card really brings you in there looking over to the back of the card it has his stats and a brief bio i thought this was interesting well it gives like a one and two step direction of how to play with the figure, the playability and one of his holds, which is pretty cool. You know, it gives a one, two to get the figure to do one of his action moves. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, you don't see that, especially in that era. Also on the back of the card, it has the other figures displayed on the back that were in the set, including Raven, Jeff Jarrett and AJ Styles. So overall, will figure inside the front and back of the card. I think it really pulls you in for a series one
0: it absolutely does abyss he's no frills kind of guy i mean this guy had a menacing mask as you said prior to giving us that great card review hashtag moc hashtag moc for life mint on card mint on card for life this abyss is just a great figure the actual figure itself again no frills he's got his black attire with the white detailing up and down the sides of his shirt and his pants. He's got the black mask. He comes with the chain. Abyss was just a menacing, crazy, crazy wrestler. He did have that amalgamation of Kane and Mankind, but he created a new unique persona for it. I thought that his in-ring ability being such a large guy was incredible. As you said, so many accolades. Gosh, I feel like he was in TNA for 10 plus years almost. And it's so funny when you look at TNA. I mean, this was their first wrestling figure license with Marvel. They go on in 2010, to 2011, move on to Jack's Pacific after Jack's Pacific loses the WWF license. Man, TNA is just around so long. And This is their first figure line and they are some of the best figures ever. This abyss as well. You can remove the vest if you want. He's got nothing on underneath. He's got the tattoos on the arms. It's just a great figure. I love it. That's why it's an, Oh my God figure of the week. It's got great articulation. Again, Marvel took everything they were doing at the end of their WCW days in 2000 and 2001 and That into these new figures. And I even feel in this line, the body proportions are better. So even in this Abyss figure, he was never a huge, muscular guy in the arms, but he did have big arms. And that kind of comes through in this figure. You know, he's got a big torso. His arms aren't super large, but they're right there. They don't have those large soldier joints the WCW, Toy Biz, Marvel figures had that were not proportionally accurate. They did away with all that and made it proportionally accurate. And I could say for an articulated wrestling figure at a time, it's probably some of the best stuff being made. And this Abyss figure is one of the best
1: big men to be made in this era. I agree, Will. I love the TNA Impact line, especially right out the gate with these four. I mean, you put Abyss in there. Looking at the figure, I actually have it on card here. It's fantastic, man. It's a great figure, great representation of the character. I love the figure. The only couple of gripes I have with it, maybe the arms are a little too long in the package. Sometimes they look a little weird. And maybe the figure just a little bigger with the with the molding, you know, the body mold on him. Other than that, to be honest, it's a great figure. The AJ is great. The Raven's great. And I, of course, I love that Chef Jarrett. I think right out the gate, well, with these four, with the carding, the way the figures look, it's spot on. I mean, if you were collecting wrestling figures at the time, if you were a fan of TNA, with this Abyss figure in your collection, you needed it. It was a must have.
0: Must have for the collection. First Abyss figure ever. First AJ figure ever. You had to include them into your collection. You knew they were going to be big superstars, big wrestlers. It was fun to see them added to this line and with such detail and attention to detail. I love it. Again, if you don't know much about the Marvel TNA Impact wrestling line, do some research, go online, some great figures. The Raven Sabu 2-pack, I believe it's a lockdown 2-pack, is amazing. You have Christian in here, incredible Christian figures, incredible Samoa Joe figures. Got a couple of rhinos that are really great. A couple of Ravens that are really great. Jeff Jarrett, Sting. I mean, the list goes on and on.
1: I love that brother Devon. Just throw that one in there, too.
0: The brother Devon is amazing as well. There's so much in this wrestling figure license that you should add to your collection. But we feel a great start is with this Abyss. He's a founding wrestler of TNA, he was there from day one to day end. It's his first figure, and these are the reasons why we think this is an Oh my God, figure of the week. The world will never forget the name of... And you'll never forget the name... Pacific Playthings WWF Superstar Model Kits. Bojo, that's a mouthful there. Try saying that three times fast. I think I can't even say Pacific Playthings three times fast. There's too many (laughs) P's in there. So yeah. Joe, while this is a great one, I'm absolutely excited to get into talking about these model kits. And for our listeners out there, a model kit is fun. They still make them today. I know Bandai does a lot of model kits and whatnot, but basically a model kit is pieces that are already painted. Most of the time don't need to necessarily glue together. You take the pieces, you snap them together, and then they create a figure or a model of whatever it's supposed to be representing, and this was really unique because, to my knowledge, this is the first time a model kit was ever created for a wrestling line or a wrestling license. The company Pacific Playthings was actually a division of Toys R Us, so these were made in Hong Kong and then distributed by Toys R Us and sold in Toys R Us stores. So, a really unique situation there. And if you did. Find these in '99 at Toys R Us. You would have saw the set consist of Stone Cold, Steve Austin, The Undertaker, X-Pac, and The Rock. Really, really fun pieces. They did also have some articulation with movable arms. They're about ten inches in full decorated height, meaning the full complete model was about ten inches. Again, as we said, no glue or anything required. Each figure snapped together. These are just great to display. And what I can tell you, listeners, these are almost like the unmatched Fury line from Jack's Pacific. So if you wanted something to compare it to, it's very, very similar to that line. These model kits also did come with unique displays. So while you were actually snapping together the wrestler, they would have them posed a certain way. They would have certain environments that were created in the model that went with that wrestler's persona. So for example, Undertaker had a bunch of tombstones around him. X-Pac was flying off the ropes of a quarter of a ring. So that was really fun and unique too. And Joe, please tell our listeners a little bit about each wrestler and what they looked like.
1: Definitely, Will. The four wrestlers, like you mentioned before, you have the Undertaker, Stone Cold, The Rock, and X-Pac. My personal opinion, The Rock, Stone Cold, The Undertaker were main eventers at the time. I'm glad they chose X-Pac in the set because to me, the X-Pac really stands out in the four. And in my personal opinion, I think he's the best model in the set. So I'll start off with Mr. Pac. He comes in his DX attire, green and black, with the DX logo on his chest. DX logo really pops too on this model. Green bandana. He is doing the suck it pose which is really cool. He comes with a small ring corner, one of the corners of the ring to stand on. It's just the three posts with the turnbuckles and the corner of the ring has the WWF logo on it. He's standing on the top rope and the suck it pose, which is very cool. Definitely stands out. And like I said, might be the best out of the four. Next up, The Rock comes in his black attire with the Rock logo on the trunks in white and red. He is dropping the people's elbow for his pose and there is a random wrestler for the model kit on the bottom. It almost looks like Val a little bit. (laughs) He's dropping the people's elbow on a random wrestler from the bottom of his feet, which is kind of weird, not on the top. He's dropping the people's elbow on his midsection in the pose. I think they should have gave a little more thought to that one. Next up, Stone Cold. Comes in his traditional black boots, black trunks, with the Stone Cold vest on. He's standing on a dirt mound pretty much. There's a huge rattlesnake to his left coming up from the dirt, which is kind of cool. For a model kit, that makes sense. Stone Cold rattlesnake. Looks good. That one I like a lot. And last but not least in the set is, of course, The Undertaker. It looks like he is displayed in his 1998 ring attire. He is posed on a gravesite for his model. With some generic gravestones surrounding him, which fits the character. So will all four models look great. Like I said, I think the X-Pac really stands out from the four. To me, The Undertaker, Stone Cold, The Rock. little generic there. The Rock dropping the people's elbow on the opposite side of the body is kind of weird. The Stone Cold with the Rattlesnake. I do enjoy The Rattlesnake. Maybe a little overboard. And The Undertaker with the graves pieces. I like it and I don't. So my personal opinion, Will, I think the X-Pac is my favorite. The X-Pac in that position with the piece of the ring, DX attire, really pops, looks great. That that would be my pick if I had to choose from the four.
0: I agree, Joe. So I think what they did with this model kits were they took the Stone Cold and the Undertaker and they were like, well, we're just going to do fun things with them and put tombstones around the Undertaker and have them hold a random shovel. And then with Stone Cold, yeah, we'll just have him posing there with a huge (laughs) rattlesnake coming out of the ground. And they were just like really winging it, maybe trying to appeal to kids with those two, being more a little more cartoonish in the design, being a little more surreal in the design, incorporating those elements of their persona in a fantasy environment. However... With the X-Pac and the Rock, I feel you get the opposite of that, where they were like, "Okay, now we're going to actually show them in in in-ring poses, in a wrestling ring, doing moves or poses that they would have performed in the ring. And I agree with you. They really executed the X-Pac extremely well. You have him on the top rope in the suck it pose with the tongue out you have the ring ropes there with the ring base has his name X-Pac on the actual ring apron as it's depicted and his attire's great. He looks lifelike. It's just an amazing piece especially if you're an X-Pac fan to add to your collection because it's lifelike and it does come with a ring. I think the rock Although the people's elbow is missed and on the wrong side of the, I mean, I don't know, it may not be on the wrong (laughs) side. Yeah, it's on the wrong side. I'm surprised they gave you another wrestler on the ground. I think that was pretty bold there. And like you said, it's just a generic wrestler. It shows him dropping the people's elbow on someone. It does look like, the guy is laying on grass or something and not a ring apron, like a dirt mound. So, that again, maybe playing off that fantasy world stuff when they should have probably just went with the map, but fun again. They're fun, they're model kits, they wanted to appeal to kids, and I think in certain aspects they did. And then in certain aspects, they gave you just an in ring pose like the X Pac. I think someone just really loved X Pac. And was like, I'm just going for this because I'm a huge X-Pac mark and I'm just going to perfect it. Because as you said in the beginning, you have three of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Not to say X-Pac isn't one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, but in comparison, especially for that time period, the choice seems a little odd. But yet the figure is executed perfectly. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like someone that created these model kits were just like a big X-Pac fan, you know?
1: Yeah, it's funny that he looks the best in the set, and he definitely stands out from the other four. I mean, I like the other three, too. Well, the Stone Cold, the Rock, the Undertaker, for display pieces, for model kits, they are really fun. They are really cool. Yeah, well, it makes you wonder, the person designing these, was he a huge X-Pac fan, he or she? Because the X-Pac definitely stands out from the other four. I like The Rock. I like The Stone Cold. I like The Undertaker. They're definitely fun. But that X-Pac really, really stands out in the set. So we think that
0: this is an incredible addition to your collection. These model kits are extremely unique. The first that we know of that were ever created for wrestlers. And if you had to add only one to your collection, we would definitely recommend the X-Pac because it's just a perfect representation of him. It's in a classic pose, and it's just a great, great figure, model, whatever you want to call it. And with the quirkiness of the other three and the fun, unique displays they have with them, these are all of the reasons, while you'll never forget the name Pacific playthings WWF Superstar Model Kids Look at this Look at this You talked about a house of
1: fire You're seeing it right here oh, my
0: And welcome to this week's edition of Busted Open. Holy shit, Joe. That was an incredible intro right there. I think we broke the sound barrier. I'm about to start
1: busting everything in this room open. We're gonna bust it open. I'm gonna bust every fucking thing in this room open. <laughs> I feel like busted. Everybody
0: said open all the time, baby. <laughs> 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 I do it. I don't. I mean, it depends on if I'm on the road, if I'm at work. I mean, who do, who do you you know who do you want to kill? Though you know,
1: yeah, I was thinking when when, uh, when you were driving that day and you were giving everybody the middle finger and uh, almost crashing your car a couple of times.
0: <laughs> you don't ever want to be in my car again, probably. I mean, you'd be like... <laughs> I know you originally said you didn't want me to drive. You're like, oh, no, I like driving. I'll, I'll do the driving. I'm like, no way. I got this. No problem.
1: You're like, I got this. I want to fucking murder someone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if people don't know what we're talking about, go back, listen to I don't even know what episode it was,
1: probably two or three episodes ago, maybe episode I think it seven. Was, or- uh, yeah, I think it was. Uh- Two episodes ago.
0: Yeah, so probably episode seven or eight, but we went over to Funkenstein. We had the English Town Flea Market disaster. We should have named that segment the Dirt Mall Disaster because- we found the mother load of scores of WWF Hasbro figures, and that was just a debacle. Anyway, so yeah, I drove down there, and Joe almost died. He almost probably, <laughs> yeah, he <had> the- <laughs> was very, very uneasy during the trip down there. But we survived. Everybody survived, which is a great thing. And now we're here to bust another figure open. We are going to bust open a figure today. And we have this recurring theme on the podcast where we are really. Really excited about the All Elite Wrestling AEW Unrivaled Collection Series 1. So what happened was the figures actually popped up in New Jersey at Walmart's this week, which was a refreshing surprise. However, what wasn't refreshing is that literally they're all sold out again. They sold out in about two hours as soon as they hit stores. We're helping everybody with the Brick Seek situation and people are using it. So it's going to even be tougher to find these figures in certain scenarios. But anyway, I was lucky enough to get my hands on a second set of figures. And unfortunately, my first set, the boxes weren't perfect. So this is how I collect first line releases. I usually keep a beautiful set mint on mint card in a shipper box, case fresh, baby, hashtag case fresh. And then what I like to do is open them up as well because I want to, I actually want to feel the figure. I want to see the articulation. I want to compare it to the Mattels. So this is a unique situation because we don't get new figure lines very often in wrestling. So I did find a couple doubles that were mint on mint card. But when I told Joe, I was like, Joe, which one should I bust open? He's like, oh, bust open the one that you didn't find. <laughs> min on min card. I'm in a difficult situation right here. I'm in a difficult position right here. I'm si- sitting in front of me. It's beautiful. Min on card, Kenny Omega with, you know, some flaws on it. But I don't even have one to put in my
1: minimum mint card collection yet, and you want me to bust this thing open, Joe. That was the pick. I looked at the set. I ran the figures through my mind a couple of times. For this segment, I was like, which one is going to make Will sweat a little more? Kenny Omega was the pick, and that's what we're going with. That
0: is what we're going with, you know, because I don't argue with you. I do argue with you, but it's very <laughs> rare that I argue with you about a segment. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Look, to everybody who doesn't know out there, Static... Joe Static produces these segments like 10 weeks in advance. I don't even provide any input. He's putting all his time and effort into producing a show that's going to be fun. That's going to be unique. That's going to even connect back with past shows. He's doing this 10 weeks ahead of time, getting guests on here. So when he tells me I got to bust open a Kenny Omega, I just got to do it.
1: (laughs) I'm really interested, Will, to hear about this figure once it's open. I think that's the curiosity factor there. Out of the full set, this is the figure I want to hear about.
0: Yeah. And Joe, we've been very vocal about this. I mean, this is my favorite figure of the set. I believe it's one of your favorite figures of the set as well, if not your favorite. Am I wrong there? Or what are your thoughts?
1: For me, it's a toss-up, Will, Omega or Jericho. Okay, so Between the two, it's like a 50-50 here. The last time we got an Omega figure You talk about going back a couple episodes. The last time we received the Kenny Omega figure was with Figures Toy Company. And I don't know if you want to go down that road.
0: I don't mind going down that road, Joe, because (laughs) that Figures Toy Company release, I actually liked it. I don't think it's that bad of a figure compared to some of the other ones.
1: It's one of their better figures, and it's definitely, if not the highest priced figure of their wrestling figures right now. The Kenny Omega figure is very expensive and very rare, actually.
0: Yes, it is, and and I know that I don't even think you can get it on there anymore. It is not a terrible figure, yeah, but this one blows that out of the water, obviously. So anyway, I'm getting into busting this open. I, dude, he-
1: to me, this is like his first figure, you know?
0: It is, yeah, it is. This is I just agree. like
1: debut legit action figure,
0: and it's I'm hurting right now. Oh, I know. God.
1: I, I uh, I'm
0: struggling getting this thing open. You know what I hate the
1: I'm box is to, the box. I don't want to rip. Uh, you know I'm not busting anything open here, but I feel bad for you ripping that box open, dude. I feel
0: bad for myself right now. The thing about these boxes are they gotta improve upon this. And now I, again, what I like about the the Mattel boxes is that you can actually open the box right and slide the figure out of it. And slide the figure back in it, you know, the tray of that figure. You know, you have the tray, you slide it in, you slide it out. This, you have to destroy the box. It's like that old classic Superstars packaging, old Legends of the Ring packaging. The trays connect to the paper, the card. So you have no choice. You have no choice. Yeah. You have to destroy it. Oh God, I opened it and it still looks nice and I don't want to destroy it. Oh my God. <laughs> it's killing me but i gotta do it for the pod i gotta do it for everybody here all right so it's off it's off it brings back a lot of memories though joe oh i remember i well i never opened up my classic superstars but recently i've been doing it and there were one or two figures of the classic superstars line that i did open in the past either it was a really beat up card or or whatnot so this does bring back a lot of those memories so i'm opening it up here i i don't I mean I guess I could crush it. I mean uh it sucks. Alright. <laughs> I'm I'm like I, I actually I actually have a, a very sharp knife here that I'm trying I'm trying to do this very dainty. You know, I'm very dainty right now. I'm like, oh, I don't wanna I don't wanna you know I don't wanna smash the box. I'm just gonna cut it open with a knife. <laughs> a, box, a, a box cutter, which I'm trying to do right now. I did I got it open with the box cutter. Oh, my God. What do you think about uh, Kenny Omega? Do you like him as a tag team, uh, you know, in a tag team role? Or would you prefer he go singles?
1: Definitely, in my opinion, I would prefer him to go singles competition. I like him wrestling, you know, singles, maybe wrestling for the belt down the road. Him and Hangman, I don't mind the tag team. I don't really like the finisher, too. I think the finisher is kind of it's kind of like jumbled up when they hit it.
0: <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I think you're spot on. It's kind of like
1: it's it's like messy. It's like, oh, oh, oh we're going to hit a double finisher. But it's like each of our finishers and the guy never reacts right.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I agree with you. They either nail it and it's on point and it looks good and it's hit at the same time and the guy just gets knocked out or it's just a piece of shit. Right, I mean, it just looks like terrible, right? And most of the time, I think it looks terrible. Where, like you said, it's just awkwardly hit. Thought it would get better without with with time, but that's not the case. Oh wow! So okay, I'm popping this open. He's he's open, dude. The right off the bat, I don't even have this thing out of the packaging. This is a heavy figure, man. This is hefty. Like I could just feel it in the bubble as I rip this out of the bubble. It is a hefty figure, bro.
1: I was going to ask you that because the figure looks light, like the way they make these figures. They look super light, but I I guess that's not the case.
0: Not at all. This is a very hefty figure. I don't know if it has to do with the entrance jacket because it is a, you know, it's a, a softer plastic, pliable plastic, but it's. It's pretty heavy, but it's just a heavy figure, bro. I dude, dude, these figures are beautiful. I, was just saying, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I don't, I really don't know really where to begin, Joe. I have never been a opponent of this line. I've always been a proponent of the line. I always thought that when you have the Godfather of wrestling figures, Jeremy Putower producing something, he's going to knock it out of the park. And he did. They did. They knocked it out of the park. And you know what I love? I just love the little details here. So I love the fact like on the gauntlet and on the inside, you know how on a lot of the Mattel products, there's either a shirt or some sort of accessory and it will bleed the actual ink of that accessory onto the figure. Yeah. So the way around that for jazz is they provide a plastic covering over the figure wherever there is like a gauntlet or accessory or a shirt and the plastic is covering the area of the skin that the gauntlet is touching. How cool is that?
1: That's pretty damn cool. It's unique.
0: Very unique. Yeah, it's very unique. There's no staining of the plastic or the skin or anything like that. That I found really cool. I just took his hand off because it's very difficult to remove this. He has this gauntlet on his wrist on his right hand. It's easier just to take the hand off and then take the gauntlet off. Um, But very easy to for the interchangeable hands, too. It's seamless. It's a snip. Oh, and you know what I absolutely love? Articulation-wise, there is ratcheted joints, bro. Oh, nice. I love ratcheted joints. You know, so if they're holding something, the arms aren't going to fall down. It's basically clicked into place on, I, I don't know, there's probably one, two, three, four, five, six... I don't know, probably 10, almost 10 ratcheted points on the figure where if they're holding something or you want their arm to stay in a certain position, it will stay in that position. I love that.
1: You don't see that very much uh, anymore. You know, I like that, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, H- I how's really- the
1: um, how's the boot detail up close?
0: I don't know if you like to get excited about boot detail, but I mean, this is just incredible. I'm going to take this entrance jacket off right now. As well, because I want to get full articulation here, but the paint detail on everything is amazing. And maybe we should start there. Maybe we should talk a little bit about the entrance jacket as I remove it. Because this entrance jacket, you don't see all the detail from it being in the package. But the back side of it is incredible. It actually has a wing that's molded into the jacket. So like, you know, one winged angel. Oh, nice. He's got it on the back there. There's a lot of textured, molded detail on the entrance jacket that you do not see from the figure being in the package. It's pretty incredible. The jacket's a little difficult to remove. I am taking my time, but it actually just slipped right off eventually. And again, I absolutely love the fact that they put this plastic all around his arms to protect the skin of any dying from the accessory or their entrance jacket. It's just a really thoughtful thing to do by Jazzwares. So I got them open. I'm actually enjoying this a little bit too much, Joe. I don't know. I can't. I can't enjoy this. <laughs> I, you know. I okay. So again, ratcheted arms, which is fantastic. Go moving down. So I see the figure. Look, people were complaining that the two things about these figures: one, that the skin is a little lighter than it should be. I don't know how I feel about that. I think Kenny Omega is a little bit of a paler person anyway. What are your thoughts?
1: I thought the skin on these were a little too light especially for the Kenny. I don't think he's that white. So the skin tone to me looked a little off, but at the same time, you know, I wanted to look at it in person a little more. But based on the images, it definitely looks a little too white.
0: Yeah, I would say that it's actually not as white as the images, like having this in hand. And I have my light on. It is a little more pale than I think it should be, but it doesn't come off that terrible in the actual, like like in a warm light. Or a warm, lighted room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like super white. To be honest with you, I think the Cody is even more pale than the Kenny. I think the Kenny is isn't as is bad. So that's one complaint. That I, again, I, I I don't see at least having the figure in hand, open it being that that much of a problem. And I think you would agree, Joe. Once you get this figure in hand, you're gonna you're gonna absolutely love it. And then the second complaint that I've been hearing from people is the hair and the hair again, this is from his double or nothing match. He did have a grayish looking hair. I know it wasn't this dark of a gray, but it goes. It works with it. What I'm most impressed about with this figure is the face scan. It is incredible. Dude, the face scan, the ultimate edition style torso that looks incredible. Not, it doesn't look awkwardly cut the top to the bottom half of the torso. Yeah. It looks amazing. Again, the boot detail, the knee pad detail, the tights detail is incredible.
1: It sounds great. You know, same thing. Well, based on, you know, the images, you know, it's the best I can do over here on my end. Based on the images, the figure looks fantastic. It's not like having it in hand, but based on what you're describing and- You know, I'm trying to pair what you're describing with the images I'm looking at. It just sounds like an incredible figure.
0: It is. The one last thing I wanted to mention is there is a lot of molded detail. And if you look at the photos, Joe, the belt that he's wearing is a molded style belt. Painted belt buckle. Same thing with the boots, the boots in the back, wonderful molded designs like the shin guards, the actual straps for the shin guards, molded mm. strap piece. Dude. Wow. Dude, I'm telling you, thoughtfulness and attention to detail. You're not getting this in Mattel figures. It's not happening, bro.
1: I think Wiki Cool Toys, Jazzwares, I think they put everything on the table when they were making this first series to just make sure... The attention to detail is there, especially with Jeremy overseeing everything. He reads a lot of comments, I'm sure, and a lot of complaints about wrestling figures and attention to detail. And I think that might be something they, uh, you know, had a keen eye on with the with putting the figures out and making the sculpts, making the molds and all that stuff. Attention to detail might have been high on their list.
0: I agree, Joe. I think it was very high on their list, and I just think that I mean, you look at even just. You know, molded versus painted detail. Uh, The only thing that's really just painted on is the wrist tape, you know, and you really don't want to mold, unless it's a very heavy wrapped wrist tape, you're not going to mold it on. You're going to paint that on to make it look more natural, you know? Yeah, dude, I am super impressed by these figures. At least this Kenny Omega. I'm just, I'm speechless, dude. I am really speechless. I absolutely love them. If they can continue, as you just said, you know, the attention to the detail, putting it out into the marketplace, making sure that it's as accurate, it's as detailed as possible. If they can continue doing this for a hundred waves, this could be the best wrestling figure line ever.
1: It definitely has the potential to be. And it's not easy coming out with series one, especially trying to make the perfect wrestling figure nowadays. They definitely have the potential to to become the number one wrestling figure of all time.
0: I agree. Even this initial release, it's going to go down as one of the best wrestling figure releases of all time. You can't compare this to Mattel elites with the undertaker and Jeff Hardy and all that jazz. You can't compare it to the Hasbro. It's just different, different time, a different place, a different focus, a different everything. Like you said, hearing the complaints, Assessing the complaints. This is an amazing figure to bust open. I'm going to bust them all open now.
1: <laughs> <coughs> That's pretty funny.
0: I really think Joe almost died when he heard that.
1: You're busting, the, you're busting that whole set open?
0: I think, Joe, you just almost choked to death because you didn't believe what I was saying. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. I'm, I, I'm like, oh, all right. You know, honestly, after busting the Omega open, it, it makes sense. It sounds great. Why wouldn't you want to bust the rest of the set open, put them together based on the attention to detail? Can you imagine busting open the Jericho, get the getting the bucks out,
0: getting the bucks out? I don't know when I'm going to do it. Here's the one thing I'm having a problem with right now. As we talk about how great this figure is and as I continue to mess around with it, it's very difficult for him to stand up. And maybe I'm just bad at this. But but he's got like like I'm trying to I'm trying to make him stand, Joe. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying hard. He don't want to stand up, bro.
1: You might have found something there.
0: Dude, I'm trying everything that you could possibly think about to get this guy to fucking stand up. And he won't. Oh, and he won't stand up.
1: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> These should have definitely came with stands then.
0: <laughs> I know that could be it. We may have found the dude. OK, hold on. All right. He's up. I don't know how long he's going to stay there. I don't think he lasts. I'm like trying to shake the table now. <laughs> Earthquake. <laughs> no, no, no. He's all right. So I got up to stand. Finally, it's just a little wonky to stand. It is. And again, I'm not like one of these loose guys. So maybe I'm just fucking not doing it right because I'm terrible at this shit. He just seems a little weird to stand.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. The
0: bottom half of the torso is very soft, too. Oh, yeah. It's actually so there's a hard plastic on the top torso and a soft plastic on the bottom torso for more bending.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Interesting. I did not know that. I did not. It, It is actually a soft plastic that they're using.
1: All right, Joe. Well. I'm trying to get him to stand again. He fucking would stand. They're going to have to start making some actual stands for these fucking figures. Maybe I may have to loosen
0: the joints up, too. I don't know. The joints seem a little loose already, but all right. Well, I look, I think it's an update. I think we got to get back to this. I think we got to we have to talk about it a little more, get back to it. And, and we'll go from there, man. First impression, I think, is amazing. There are some minor issues with the figures, skin tones, some of the hair, some of the coloring. Mike, Kenny was a little difficult to stand. So you know we'll go from there. But if you want to hear more, maybe next week we'll bust these open again. Maybe we'll do the whole set next week. Uh-oh. I'm starting to get amped up. So we'll get. We'll, I'm starting to get sad too. Actually, I know. Sad, amped up. It's a roller coaster ride on the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. You don't know whether to be happy, angry, mad, sad. I think those. <laughs> I think I just used... Did I use synonyms? I think so. I don't even know. Regardless of all that, tune in next week where we choose a couple of other. AEW Unrivaled Collection Series 1 figures to bust Busted OPEN Tonight we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling Are you ready? Wrestling fans are you ready?
1: For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's
0: get And welcome to the main event. Last week's main event was postponed due to inclement weather. Unfortunately, Joe Static was pretty much all staticked out because he had no electricity, none whatsoever. So we had to postpone the main event. And what we were going to discuss on last week's main event was the match between Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair from Bash at the Beach 1994. But we're back this week, Joe, and you're back. And I believe you're ready to get down and dirty with this match.
1: I am very ready. Yeah, well, I'm ready to get into this match. WCW in 1994 was one of my favorite eras in WCW because I probably hated 1995 so much. And then it picked up in 96 for me again with Bash at the Beach. So 1994, WCW, Flair, Hogan, I think WWF at the time probably wanted this match a couple years before, but we're going to get into that. I'm ready. I'm ready for this week's main event.
0: I know you're ready for this week's main event. You know what? I can't. Oh, my God. Before we get into this week's main event, I'm still trying to fucking stand this Kenny Omega figure up. Bro. Put it. I'm Put just, it back uh, in whatever. Uh, oh, my left. God. Joe. I'm putting it down and I don't want to touch it. <laughs> anyway, I agree with everything you just said. This was really a big turning point for WCW, especially after watching some god-awful wrestling from both promotions prior to this. I'd have to say other than now, 93 is one of the worst years of professional wrestling history.
1: 93 and 95 are definitely up there. But in 1993, I was
0: a big Yokozuna fan. Yeah, you had the you had the new generation, you know, but along with Yokozuna, you had the likes of Mantar, <laughs> <laughs> Hakushi, Man Mountain Rock, or was that 95? Man Mountain Rock I uh, Shit, I just, I lump a mole in there, bro. Aldo
1: Montoya? Aldo Montoya? Avatar? Avatar? Avatar is uh, Al Snow. He is Al Snow. And then you had... Max Moon? Max Moon. You had Rad Radcliffe.
0: Rad Radcliffe. And this, I mean, (laughs) the list goes on on and on.
1: You want me to crack out some WWF magazines from 95 real fast? 93? Oh, Jesus. We'll get them all out.
0: (laughs) I mean, they may be going in the pit, baby. (laughs) We're bringing the pit back, the pit list. WWF magazines from 1993 are getting burned, baby.
1: Some of the worst fucking covers ever. Anyway, Anyway,
0: coming off of what we believe to be not one of the best years in professional wrestling. You got 94 and a huge change because... You're seeing the WWF go in a direction of this new generation, new superstars, new wrestlers, and WCW to gain more to gain more viewership started signing a lot of the wrestlers from the WWF that were getting older from the 1980s and early 1990s. So you had the likes of Macho Man Rick Flair, Hulk Hogan, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, the Big Boss Man all of these wrestlers started appearing on WCW programming because their strategy was they're known people and people that watch them in WWF would then tune in to watch them in WCW. And for the most part, it worked. This Bash at the Beach 1994 was really a turning point for them. The introduction of Hulk Hogan, it was his first match, it was WCW debut. The event took place in the Orlando Arena in Orlando, Florida, home of the Orlando Magic. There was 14,000 people in attendance. It garnered a 1.02 million buy rate. These are big numbers. These are big numbers for a time in wrestling, especially for WCW, that weren't seeing these type of numbers, especially after coming off of a poor pay-per-view attendance and buy rate from their previous event, Slamboree. So I actually did some research about this pay-per-view as a whole, And if you guys aren't listening to, I believe it's called 83 Weeks, Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson, I think you're missing out because there's a lot of great information that is being discussed on that podcast, and I took a lot of that information, and we're going to use some of the notables here. So Bischoff is really into this match, and as soon as he signs Hogan to a deal, they know they're going to do this match, as you said. This should have been the WrestleMania match that happened two, three years prior. Never took place. They were doing a huge build for it. Hogan just went away, had some disagreements with the WWF. We're not going to get into the details about it, but never happened. So this was the perfect time and place to pull this off. A lot of people said that this was a match that was 10 years too late, but I don't think it was. You know, I don't think it's also a match that you can look as saying that gonna be repeating history because it's the first time it ever happened so bischoff looks at it as he's creating history in this match which he did because the match itself was amazing you got two older guys in the ring two veterans that went in there and they really tore the house down at a 21 or 22 minute run time two of the biggest stars in professional wrestling this was all about wcw getting the mainstream attention. Turner wants to actually create a product to be more competitive with WWF programming. And how does he do that? Well, he does it business-wise by trying to open up ad sales for said product. Because the more ad revenue he can collect off of the product, the more money he can use to have better production, sign more talent, et cetera, et cetera. So this was really the genesis of all that. You have to really focus not on this match itself, which was a good match. I wouldn't say it was one of the greatest matches, but you have to look at it from more of a business, the business of wrestling perspective than the actual wrestling. Because it's amazing how much attention a name like Hulk Hogan gets. It gets people interested in your product. It gets people enthusiastic about your product. Hulk Hogan was doing stuff with Mr. T in WWF. He was doing stuff in the movies. He was on a television show, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Thunder in Paradise at the time. You combine that with the tapings at Disney. So now you have WCW taping at MGM Studios at Disney. You have Hulk Hogan as the face of your company. It really changes the perception of what you're trying to sell to the general public. So that was the strategy for WCW, and it worked let's get into the match a little bit.
1: Yeah. So like you mentioned before, Will the match stands at a pretty sweet, almost 22 minute runtime, which is perfect to end the pay-per-view, especially Hogan wrestling for the heavyweight title. That's a perfect time. A little over 20 minutes. Sounds about right. So it is for the WCW world heavyweight championship, which Ric Flair currently at the time was holding. And On commentary, they were definitely trying to, I guess, lie a little bit to the audience and basically state the fact that Hogan has been away from the business for a long time and he hasn't been active. So he hasn't been wrestling for a few years, basically to distance WCW a little bit from WWF, even though he pretty much was wrestling in WWF in 93, not that long ago. So they were definitely trying to say that he hasn't been around for a long time. He's back. He's here with World Championship Wrestling. And well, to be honest, Hogan 93, 94 WCW, he looked a lot smaller. He was definitely down to about 270, maybe 280. He looked very lean, and I think this was, you know, back then to get away from the the steroid scandal, you know, the movie filming, he was doing a lot of movie filming. The steroids were running rampant at the time. WWF was gonna find out about that pretty soon. I think it was around the same time, WrestleMania 10, WrestleMania. Yeah, it was.
0: 10. So that was that was the huge steroid trial that Vince McMahon was going through. Yeah, it was that era. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was if I remember correct. that era. So that's why I don't even think WCW required him to do it. I just think he wanted to slim down because of it, you know, to get him visually out of that. Hitcher.
1: Yeah, it definitely bothered me when he was leaner like that. Yeah,
0: it was, it's weird. The perception was, I think a lot of people, when you looked at it and I was a kid, the perception was like, what's happening to Hogan? You know, because you knew that he was this big, buff, menacing guy. And to see him slim down, at least from my perspective, I was like, oh, wow, that's weird. He looks kind of odd. But
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I don't think business people looked at it that way because he still had the persona right and that's what really sold it was less of a body image i think more the persona because even during this match and and before you get into it joe even during this match this whole pay-per-view the crowd was terrible they were literally waiting for this match there was no noise there was no cheering or anything this pay-per-view crowd was fucking god-awful Until Hogan hit that ring,
1: which to me doesn't make any sense. You know, if you're there to watch the event, maybe they were all there for Hogan and flair. That's what it sounded like, but there was a lot of other talent on there. Like the, uh, think of steamboat Austin. I could watch that match all day. It's a classic, you know, and you think of all the other talent on the card. It just doesn't make sense to me when the crowd is like that. But, then again you know you look at the two guys in the main event here and it makes sense i guess so yeah when uh looking back at the match it's actually kind of funny but i think back then you know same era they want to get more eyes on the product they want to bring in more celebrities they want to show more celebrities in the crowd have them more you know interactive be involved with the matches so in this case uh you have the likes of Mr. T, Shaq coming down to the ring. Shaq's holding the freaking title for some reason. The crowd is definitely there to see Hogan, which I think we mentioned. But yeah, you got Mr. T involved. You got Shaq involved for some odd reason. They basically come to the ring first. Well, Mr. T's Mr. T's going to come with Hogan, but Shaq comes to the ring first. And you're like, what the hell is this? Flair comes out first. Uh-uh. Yeah, you know what you know,
0: that's what I'm saying. So, you know, right off the bat, I mean, dude, uh-uh. back in. All right. Listeners, if you're not a wrestling fan from the 90s, it's just known if the champion comes out first, more than likely they are losing that title. It's just, you know, it's one of these things. And through all the main events we've had on the Squared Circle Action Figure podcast, every time the champion comes out first, it ends in a big l joe yeah
1: <laughs> that seems to be a reoccurring trend with these main events especially back then so Flair comes out to the ring first you know what that means and he comes with sensuous sherry by his side a little different there with her name um i still don't think she's wearing panties but... <laughs> <laughs> I, oh god <laughs> if go, go back to episode one
0: I don't want to I don't so want to even get that. involved with that right now cuz I'm going to say some things like I wish she wasn't wearing panties and there was a slip. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then she just bend over when she's going in the ropes get everybody uh get get uh, that that'll get the crowd.
0: That'll out. get the crowd finally going because they're fucking sitting on their hands. Jesus Christ.
1: Maybe it was no alcohol in the fucking venue, I don't know. But anyway, so you got Flair coming out with Sherry first with the he hits the ring. You got Hogan coming to the ring with that horrible theme music that I fucking hate it with Jimmy Hart, which I, I I love Jimmy. I've always been a Jimmy fan and Mr. T Mr. T for some reason is back. I didn't really give a shit to see him. So I didn't really care about that. I kind of tuned that out when I watched the match, the match, you know, it's typical Ric Flair, typical Hogan kind of match, little slow, little slower paced, you know, a lot of in and out of the ring work. Flair, a lot of tie ups, lot of submission work you know they're really drawing it out they basically do all that to get to hulk hulking up so the first one he does doesn't work so you're like okay the crowd's coming more into it at this point so he does basically two hulk ups then hogan uses rick flair's figure four which you're like all right something a little different
0: i you don't ever see that right and you watch the match the way hogan puts that figure four he does so he doesn't do the rotation on the figure four i don't know if he can't but you know how like he just like stands there and like puts his legs the legs into position but doesn't do the twirl rotation
1: <laughs> oh it's it's it got, it's god fucking awful joe that's basically why you never see him do shit like that it's like the worst thing i've ever seen and flair is selling it which is even oh, worse. it's
0: even worse because he could have just freaking kicked him in the balls at that point.
1: Yeah, it's like oh god. But those are the performers, you know. Th- you know, especially Flair. So yeah, that's leading to what we all knew what was coming: the big boot, the leg drop, the one, two, three, new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. It definitely delivered what the WCW needed at the time. Especially, I like ninety four, but. Putting Hogan in the picture it definitely makes sense. It's definitely what WCW needed. Overall, they both look pretty good in the ring for two guys that are a little older. You know, the older movement was definitely solid, Will, in the ring. They definitely look pretty good. Typical Hogan, typical flair. But overall, I'd say the match was like a B plus.
0: I agree. The match was not terrible by any means. I wouldn't say they put on a clinic for 20 minutes, 20 plus minutes, but it's a solid match. And for two veterans... Being the ring for 20 minutes, they did have a lot of those outside spots like you discussed. And I think that that drew the match out a little bit. You did have that double hulk up, which I believe is the first time that ever happened, because usually when you see Hulk Hogan hulking up, that's the end of the match. So it really got the crowd on their feet. But to have Flair kind of like, I don't even remember what he did. I think he poked him in the eye or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Ric Flair, dirty move. Boom. No, you're not hooking up. This is not over. I still got a lot left in me. I thought it was a fun match all around. Yes, it did deliver. It's exactly what WCW needed at the time. They needed mainstream attention. And again, with even all these celebrities there, like you said, Mr. T, what the hell is he doing there? He did absolutely nothing for the program. There was no lead in there. Shaq, I understand just because he was an Orlando Magic basketball player, and he was pretty much the biggest, well, I don't want to say the biggest, but he was hyped at the time as one of the best basketball centers possibly to ever play the game, which I guess you can say he is up there in the top at least three in my eyes. With that said, having a name like that in his hometown come out, I get it right? Again, you want to draw from a wrestling business perspective. You want to draw eyes on the programming and they did. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, The formula worked. The rest of the pay-per-view, we love the Ricky Steamboat Steve Austin match. Was Ricky a little long in the tooth? Yes. He was getting older. He's getting a little slower. He still put on an incredible match with Austin, stunning Steve Austin. But the other matches are kind of forgettable. You know, everybody was really there to see the Hogan stuff. And what's funny is he has his. So they have this celebration afterwards, which is just ridiculous. So you literally have Hogan Hart, I don't know his entourage, whoever else is there. Start walking to the back to do a press conference. He's holding the title. Hacksaw Jim Duggan shows up for no fucking reason. Oh, my God. Hacksaw's (laughs) there. Everybody. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh. All right, great. Basically, Mortis was there. I mean, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Mortis. Flying
0: Brian Pillman is in the background, and he's getting his FaceTime in and shit like that. But how does he have ties to Hulk Hogan? I have no goddamn idea. You know, yeah, you Brutus, Barber, Beefcake. You got, you know, Leslie there, and all these characters are around Hogan. So I guess it's sort of like okay, and they're just wasting time and wasting time until they get to this press conference. Oh my god, it I felt like forever. And they finally get there and he does his little spiel and speech and how he's going to party and Mean Gene says, yeah, I'm going to go party with you, this, that, and the other thing. And that's it. I mean, that's the end of it. Again, a pivotal turning point in the history of WCW programming and really the genesis of what then leads to the 1996
1: success. Yeah. You know, Will, real quick with the card, I actually, I like this era. I like the Lord Steven Regal, Johnny B. Bad match for the television title. I like that match on the card. I watched the whole, the whole thing over again. I like that match and really underrated tag team in pretty wonderful Paul Roma and Paul. Oh, Anderson. my God. That's like a forgotten tag team, oh God. man. Oh, my God.
0: They that match was the drizzling shits, Joe. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Kevin Sullivan, Cactus Jack, which I even forgot they held the tag team
1: titles. They held the tag team belts. Oh man. my
0: god! Taking on the wonderful, the the pretty wonderful drizzling, pretty wonderful drizzling man. shits.
1: That's dude. I'm a Paul Roma fan.
0: I didn't have a problem with Paul Roma. I had a problem with the, the match was fucking god awful i would have given negative 25 stars if there was a star rating (laughs) that's how bad and that match was prior to the hogan match that was the pro that was the match leading into hogan and it was just fucking god awful i do want to say this the regal johnny b bad match and again we're not going to get into the whole pay-per-view guys we just want to talk about two matches the regal johnny b bad match i felt that it was OK. I think Regal was at that time a really staunch Matt technician. He's just coming into the WCW. He has this really British stiff style to him. And I felt Johnny B. Bad to start didn't have enough energy. And, you know, Johnny B. Bad back in the day, like he built up eventually, but he kind of li- fell flat coming to the ring and stuff and doing his stuff. I don't know. It was just weird. The match in my eyes came off just a little weird. My favorite match of the card was the Dustin Rhodes match. You know, I thought it was played out well. I loved the fact that Arn Anderson teamed oh, God, with him. We, I love that he- fucking but uh, (laughs) yeah but then you got the turn you got the four horsemen turn on dustin which i hope arne anderson fucking turns on cody it would be so great but you know that is just classic that and they even say
1: it the horsemen and the roads don't get along can i mention one thing before we stop talking about bash the beach vader versus the guardian angel the drizzling shits, <laughs> the guardian angel, big boss man is the guardian angel.
0: I was a guardian angel fan when I was a kid, bro. The
1: guardian. Angel. I had the
0: red hat. I used to sit in front of my television with the red hat, red hat on. Big Bubba,
1: not Big Bubba. The guardian angel, bro. I was. I'm telling you, Ray Trailer, <laughs> boss man, the man, the guardian angel, the and to to make to make matters worse. It ends in a disqualification. Anyway, it's the drizzling shits again. That's why the fucking crowd was so quiet. The only reason you're watching
0: this pay-per-view was for Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair.
1: That's it. And if you were there, the only reason you were there is to buy that Vader original San Francisco figure. (laughs) From the merch stand. Because that's an (laughs) oh my God figure of the week, baby. I fucking love that. I love
0: that figure too. It was my first old San Francisco toy maker figure along with the Ric Flair, which we're actually going to talk about right now. Yep. As you know, we love to review the figures that best represent the match in the main event. So we're going back. We absolutely love old San Francisco toy makers. And I know that this company gets a lot of flack for producing Eljan style figures and figures with limited articulation that don't look great. But we absolutely love them. And as discussed on The Gorilla Position about the ECW OSFTM figures, we're taking it even way back to one of their first lines. And we think the figures that best represent this Bash at the Beach 1994 match between Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair are old San Francisco toy makers wcw series one figures of rick flair and hulk hogan and this rick flair figure as we were going to mention does come in the purple tights absolutely love it there's a blue variant very very rare
1: oh man i love the green too. the green's great they're all great
0: all the flair they're all, they're all awesome dude growing up as a kid as i said vader and flair were the two first osftm figures i got from that wcw line i absolutely loved them hogan i didn't get to a little later on though but he was also a part of series one and they are in their tires
1: i mean it's that simple joe you know sometimes i think about it and the original san francisco toy makers line is definitely up there probably because my age at the time but i love these figures so much and I love the Ric Flair and the Hogan, especially the Hogan in that pose comes with the belt. That pose, great playability. Same thing with the Vader. If you paired the Vader and the Hogan up in that line, those poses you could do anything with. And the Flair pose I liked as well, too. But, you know, you pair these up at the time, you know, you watch that match as a kid. Boom. You have both of these right there to play with. And it's just a great line. I love both of these figures.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say other than that. And not only that, they are pretty, I think, even at the time, they were very lifelike to me. Flair looks like Flair. He's got a great face scan. I don't want to say it's the AEW Unrival Collection one Kenny Omega, but Uh -uh. at the same time, it is a really great depiction of what Ric Flair looked like accurate haircut has them as his signature tights from this match the purple look i love the figure and like we've went on ad nauseum about in the oh my god figure of the week vader review we love the cards to these the card backs and the cards of these figures are incredible as well they're just fun and that's the thing we talk about this a lot at the squared circle action figure podcast we want Figures as collectors that are fun. So these were amazing back then. Playability was incredible. I agree with the Hogan. We get the title. I love the flair. They're just fun figures. So again, they're the most accurate. They represent this match the way it should be represented. We recommend to all our listeners to take another look at
1: the line because it's wonderful, especially the Hogan. The Hogan loose with the belt is great, but the Hogan on the card with the purple background, WCW, purple, yellow, you know, you get all the nice color mix in the back. That Hogan on that card is fantastic, man. One of my favorite carded figures. It just pops. I think all of them did. Again,
0: it was just that. They pop. It's just the, the uniqueness of the carding, the artistic nature of it. I love it. I think it's it's hand in hand again as a mint on mint card. Well, I want to be a mint on mint card collector, but unfortunately at times that's not possible. But as a hashtag MOC collector, hashtag MOC for life collector, I have a lot of these still on card just because of that carding, because it's so classic and they do pop and they look great. So for our listeners out there, take another look at the old San Francisco makers WCW line. And we think that these figures, the Ric Flair Series 1, Hulk Hogan Series 1, best represent the match, the main event from Bash at the Beach 1994. That is the one, two, three of this week's main event. And don't forget to tune in next week because the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast is the gold standard in wrestling figure.